This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. So, Donna, you can put up that one slide. Tonight, I, I want to circle back um, to patience. I hit it last week, but then I just I really wasn't feeling the flow within the teaching. And when I went to, to look at my notes for tonight and just to kind of get direction, I couldn't get away from patience. And I really feel like God didn't want it to be an afterthought. And last week it was kind of an afterthought. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to really look at this. Um, because patience, we're talking about building blocks. And patience is a huge building block. And I'm gonna, we're going to look in the scripture tonight and I'm going to do like I do, and we're going to dig, and we're going to see what does the scripture say about patience, because I've been talking a lot about the intimate relationship that we have with God, right, and how that is faith, and how within that relationship, we take the truths of God, right, and we allow him to implant them on the inside of us, and then we allow that truth to grow and grow, and we give birth to it, right, and when I think about patience, a lot of the times, sometimes within our walk, we'll take on, we, we, have, we find a truth, right? A promise of God, and we know it's ours. And last week I talked about expectation. And so we are expectant, we're hopeful, right? We know that it's ours. But then along the way, we lose patience. And it's kind of as if you all of a sudden abort the promise, And if you abort the promise, you don't see it manifest in your life. And we have to have patience. And I've been looking at that in my own life. You know, the last 18 months have been really hard for me. And I've looked at it and I've said, because I've been been believing for something. And it's been a few years I've been believing and I haven't seen. And it's actually been harder for me than when I went through chemotherapy with Eli. And I've looked at it and I've been like, God, why, why is this so much harder for me? I mean, I stared death in the face, literally, at times. And this feels so much harder. And he began to show me it's because with that situation, I had a promise from God. He said that the fruit of my womb is blessed. I had the truth. I knew it was fact that Eli would live. But then I also, I knew that on June 10th, 2016, chemotherapy would be over. So I had this deadline. So I knew, you know what? I've got the truth. And then at this point, it's going to be done. And then we're going to move on. And I knew that Eli would live. I knew it for a fact. It was, there was no question mark in, in, my, in, my, in my head, no question mark in my heart. I knew that Eli would live even in the darkest of nights in the hospital when literally death was knocking at the door. I knew the truth. And so I was patient. I knew that we would get to June 10th, 2016, and it would be done. But with this latest thing, I don't have a deadline. And so what am I having to grow? Patience. And it's hard. And I'm tired. Right? I mean, this is, this is reality. We come together, and I, I did a teaching like last summer or whenever it was, about why do we come together? Why do we come and have communion together as a family? To be real, right? Not for me to stand up here and say, I got it all together. 
hard. And y'all, I'm tired. Anybody else been tired when patience is, that you're having to grow patience? And I, it would be nice to have a deadline. But there isn't one. So now what? I got to be patient. Right? And within the patience, I get tired. There's been tears. But I'm holding on. So it doesn't mean that even though I'm tired and there's been tears and there's been me talking to God and using all sorts of words, it doesn't mean I'm any less in faith. Right? And even to the point where, you know, one time, and I'll tell you guys can use this, you can laugh about it all week long. I was just having a day. Well, it was actually, I mean, I said 18 months. It was more than a day. And I like flopped on my bed and I was like, are you serious? Like, what are you doing, God? Like, you see what's going on? Like, what are you doing? I was like, you make no sense. You know, I don't know why you're taking so long. I know you can do it. Why have you not done it? I'm really over it. Right? And so then he gives me, I get this thought. I'm like, oh, what about that scripture where like Elijah or Elijah, whichever one was talking to the weather, and I was like, and I was like, you know, I got all excited. I was like, ooh. I was like, ooh, let's go. I was like, God's going to show me something real good. And so I go. So like, you know, how he kind of get on like little trails. And I'm like, oh, wait, I can't remember what scripture that was. And so then, you know, okay, well, he starts to lead me. He leads me to First Kings. I think it's 17. Let me see. Yeah. So he leads me to First Kings 17, verse 1. And I'm like all excited. I'm like, oh, you're going to build me up. You're going to make me feel so good about myself. And I read it. And Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab. So this is him. This is Elijah. He's saying, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And it was as if God slapped me in the face. And you know what? I needed it. I needed it. Talk about lamentations. I was lamenting. Woe is me. Where are you? And here I was like, I was all ready for it to be built up. And it was just, God just slapped me out of it. And it's what I needed. Because what is it saying there? It's not going to rain. There's not going to be dew unless I speak. God is like, Mary Ann, what are you saying? Nothing's going to happen unless you say it. And so it slapped me out of it. And he, God keeps bringing me back to that. Because you know that after that, I was like, okay. I was like, all right, I'm going to get together. And you know, but then I'm still having to be patient. And there's still things happening every day that would make me say, is this viable? Is this truth really growing inside of me? Am I really going to give birth to it? Because it ain't looking like it. Where's the manifestation, right? And so he keeps taking me back to that because, listen, guys, I've got to be patient. We've got to be patient. This right here, so this is um, in the vines. It's from the Greek word for patience. Patience, to abide under, to remain persistent and perseverance. Quality of not surrendering to circumstances. Quality that does not succumb under trial. Steadfastness. um, Constance, whatever. Endurance, you know, y'all know how I get 
Now, when, so the way I, when I go through and I look at Greek words, I look at the word and then like another word will pop out to me. And when I look at this, the word that pops out is perseverance. Perseverance. Donna, will you go to the next slide? Perseverance. To, persi- to persist in anything undertaken. And the, to maintain a purpose. To maintain a purpose. In spite of difficulty or obstacles. Because here's the thing is, we would love because I am a Christian and it's easy now. I've got my Bible and everything is easy and I walk in faith. No. Nowhere in this book does it say it's going to be easy. It says he won't leave us. And it says a whole bunch of truth that's going to show us exactly why we need patience and why we can walk in patience no matter what kind of difficulty comes, no matter what kind of obstacle comes. And so that's what I want to do tonight. I want to look at what does the scripture say? Because it definitely says that we need patience. So, next slide, Donna. I want to go to Hebrews 6. And we're going to spend a little bit of time here. I'm going to read starting at verse 9. And I'll go from there. Give me another drink. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor. And that's talking about like what you're occupied with. And even in labor, it talks about your sorrows. So for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown towards his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance, the full assurance. Okay. Of hope until the end. So that's until your hope, to like the end of your hope, till your hope is fulfilled. Until the manifestation of. Okay? So, to the full assurance of the hope until the end that you do not become sluggish. So lazy. Right? Like flopping on your bed. Lamenting about how horrible it is. That do not become sluggish, but imitate those, what's it say? Who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So faith and patience. See, this word, God gave us words to live by knowing. Knowing that you know what? We're going to go through stuff, but he hasn't left us alone. See, what's so beautiful is we know that we actually have him, right? Like in a tangible way, we have this relationship. But even apart from that, he's given us these words to live by. But the fact of the matter is, is even if people are just living by these words, they're living by him because these words are truth. They're living. They're living. 
So through faith and patience inherit the promises. So who are we imitating? So now you go down to verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham. So a promise that is he's announcing what he has done. And is going to do like a present continual. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. So I want to pause here for a minute and I want to talk about, because in a few scriptures, it's going to say the word oath. Now, when you look at the word oath in the Greek, this was a very serious word to them. And so I studied what in that time in ancient Greek, like what an oath meant. And so an oath was to take an oath in effect is to invoke powers greater than oneself to uphold the truth of a declaration. By, okay, so then there's three things that happened if someone makes an oath, right? So sometimes nowadays a person's word isn't really, you know, doesn't mean a lot, which is sad. But then an oath, like if you were making an oath, It was a serious thing. So there was three things that happened. It was the swearer makes a declaration. This this may be a statement about the present or past, in which case the oath is blah, blah, blah. goes through a whole bunch of things. Then the swearer specifies explicitly that a superhuman, superhuman power or powers as witness to the declaration. Okay? And so then they would make the declaration and they would swear by a greater power. Right? So like, because they had mythology and gods or whatever. So it would be like, I swear by Zeus that I make this declaration. And that the implication was that um, if you break the oath, that you will die. So an oath is a serious thing. Okay? So here we see that it says, For God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater. He swore by himself. So he's making an oath. Saying, surely blessing, I, bl- surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. So this is the promise that he made to Abraham. He's making an oath. And so after he had patiently endured. So what did Abraham? So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now we know that it took a long time. And within that being patient, he tried to take things into his own hands, right? These are all stories that we know, but think about it. This is the thing is look at these stories and really take it. He messed up. We mess up, but what still happened? He patiently endured. See, there's going to be hiccups along the way. Remember what I said the first night I taught? It's not about being perfect. It's about relationship. What remained throughout all of the Abraham of walking out this oath that God had made? What happened between Abraham and God? Relationship. Years upon years. Relationship. Patiently endured. Now verse 16. For men indeed swear by greater... By the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. So when somebody makes an oath, it's over. There's no dispute, right? So that's what that's saying. So for these men, so if somebody makes an oath, that's it. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. Who are the heirs of promise? Us. The, the, 
you know, I get up here, you guys, and I can't say any of the words. I don't even care anymore. Immut, whatever, that word, which basically is unchangeable, all right? The unchangeableness of the purpose, all right? Of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. So he guaranteed it by an oath that by two imputable, oh, immutable, whatever. I almost said it. Unchangeable things. Now here we go. It is which in, in which it is impossible for God to lie. Let this literally sink in. He is making an oath. Which to people of that day, they understood that he's making an oath. That's it. There's no disputing it. God cannot lie. So if he has made a promise to you, it will come to pass. We just need to be in which it is impossible for God to lie. Can I tell you how many times I go back to this constantly? God, and I remind him. God, you are not a liar, which really, in fact, I'm reminding myself. You are not a liar, God. You have made this promise to me. We might have strong consolation, comfort, who have fled for refuge. Who do we run into for refuge? Him. To lay hold of the hope set before us, the expectation set before us, the expectations that he gives us. That we are heirs of the promises. That we will take his word, his truth. And we will be patient and hold that truth and let it come to full fruition in our lives. Lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor. What does an anchor do? It keeps you set, right? You throw that anchor down, the waves might be huge. You might be going all over the place. But what your expectation, your expectation, your hope, the promises of God, the fact that he cannot lie is an anchor. This isn't an anchor that keeps us. When everything looks like the opposite of what he has promised you. Your expectation is, is God, this was your promise? And the fact that you cannot lie is my anchor. This hope we have as an anchor of, our, of the soul. Right? Our soul, our emotions, they can go all over the place. God knows this. He's showing us that when we keep our expectation in him, no matter if our emotions are pushing us all over the place, when we know here, Right? When we know here, it is an anchor for those emotions. God knows how he made us. He made us with emotions. So he knows that, you know what? Emotions are fantastic. But they can also make us feel real crazy sometimes. Both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the veil... This hope we have as an anchor. Where are our expectations? Because remember, I talked last week about hope. So hope as an anchor. See, 
We can also have expectations that anchor us in things that are not going to keep us. And so this is why, again, because we're always, our minds are always, we're always meditating. Again, this is kind of showing us again why it's so important where we're placing our expect, where are we getting our expectations? Are we getting them from God? Are we getting them from the word of God or are we getting them from the natural? Are we getting them from sight of what is actually happening? Because sometimes we can anchor ourselves there. Let's go to Hebrews 10. I'm real thirsty tonight, guys. Uh, Hebrews 10, 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Remember I talked about reward last week, about reward, how God pays us our wages. He gives us what we're due. Which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. That's patience. It's the same word, elpis, hope. Or sorry, patience. I'm getting my Greek words mixed up. For you have need of endurance, patience, so that after you have done the will of God, the purposes of God, you may receive the promise. So again, we're seeing that you have need of patience. You have need of patience. This is a building block. For you have need of patience, endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Endurance, patience. Trying to read my handwriting. The promise, it's our confidence, freedom. What are you waiting for? What is a promise that you have been waiting for? Are you still enduring? Are you still anchored in that truth from God? Does this feel heavy to you guys? I'm not meaning for it to. But I just think, I think even for myself, I think there's sometimes that we abort promises. And maybe even, again, because thoughts come in, we start to think, well, was that really a promise for me? Frustration. That's right. Was that really a promise for me? Did God really say that? And then we start to maybe try to make things happen on our own. Ishmael's. Right? I mean, you start, you, you might even start trying to think, well, okay, well, what can I do? I mean, this is reality, right? 
I, how many, like the last week I've been thinking, well, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do this. This would, this would be a, this would be a fix. You can go to the next slide. And so I don't really want to go to James 1, 1 through 8, but I would recommend going there on your, your own and just really reading because that's where it talks, you know, about being double-minded and going back and forth. And, but I do want to look at 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, And again, because God is so good. And he says to us, he says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow, and when you look at that word allow, it also talks about leave, who will not leave you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, a walking out of, that you may be able to bear it. And that word in the, to bear it actually, is actually talks about to bear it patiently. This goes back to relationship. He's not going to leave us. He's not leaving us in these places where we feel tempted, these places where we feel frustrated, these places where we feel discouraged. He's not leaving us alone. He's right there in relationship with us, showing us and walking us out of. So we're not left alone. Right? Like, even for me, when he basically smacked me upside the face, he didn't leave me alone. See, like, that's what I needed. That's the kind of relationship that we have. So he might not do that to you, but he didn't leave me alone in that place of feeling like he didn't hear me. Even, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know that he hears me. He didn't leave me in that place, that emotional place where I was feeling like it was just never flipping going to happen. He does not leave us. He does not leave us ever. Even if you are the worst, according to us, human being ever, he will not leave you. He made an oath. You can go to the next slide, Donna. Luke 6, 47, 48. 47 says, and this is Jesus. It's in red. I love it. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it. For it was founded on the rock. When we build our foundations in him. When we get our expectations, our hope from him. When everything, when you feel like you can't take anymore. Yes, you can. Because the foundation goes deep. When your relationship with him, when you know him, when you intimately know him, right? A building a foundation doesn't mean that I read a scripture, you know, every once in a while. 
but I don't allow him to come and speak. I don't allow his words to speak to me. I don't spend intimate time with him. See, a foundation that keeps you in the midst of storms goes deep. Meaning that you know him. Right? Like I gave the, when, you, when a husband and a wife know each other, I know David. I know God. So my foundation is deep. So even when I feel like, remember, feel. Like I'm going to crumble. I'm not going to crumble. Know that you're not going to crumble. When you know God, you will not crumble even if you feel like it. That's why we have need for patience. Knowing that we will inherit the promises. Because God made an oath and God cannot lie. See, God is truth. It's not that he just doesn't want to lie. He can not lie. Because he is truth. See, he couldn't be talked about as truth if there was any place that he was going to lie to us. It's like saying that light and darkness can be the same thing. It can't. God cannot lie. He has made an oath. So what is our part? Our part is to stand. Having done all, stand. That's our part. And God does the rest. We stand anchored in his promises. We don't stand anchored in the world or the circumstance at the moment. We can go to the next slide. One of the reasons that we can, we can be patient is because we know the victory is already ours. Right? We already know that Jesus accomplished it all. And it's done. He sat down at the right hand of God and it's done. So now what do we do? We rest in the promises. We stand. We are patient. I want to look at, let me see if my phone will work. Does anybody have like a Passion Translation Bible here? You do? The whole thing? Look at you. Tag team. Well, no, because not all of them are in there. Not yet. All right. I want to read, yeah, Psalms and, um, oh, there we go. This one has the old, this in the back, yeah. It's all in there. All right, I want to read Romans 5, 
verses 1 to 5. Oh, yeah, and the first Peter, whatever, you guys can read that on your own if you want. Homework. Romans 5, verses 1 to 5. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into his marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. It's not a disappointing fantasy. It is not too good to be true. See, sometimes we will get a promise from God or he'll tell us something and it'll sound too good to be true. But at first we'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then times goes, goes by and we don't see anything happening like we think it would or in the time frame that we think it would and we think it was too good to be true. But it's not a disappointing fantasy. He made an oath. He cannot lie. So if he spoke it into your heart, and if when he spoke it into your heart, you had peace, you had joy, do you think that comes from the enemy? No. So then who was it from? So it's not just a fantasy. It will be your reality. Right? Luke 8, 15. But the ones that... So this is the parable of the seed. But the ones that fell on the good ground, right? So God's word, his truth. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it, which is firm possession of, and bear fruit with patience. Bear fruit with patience. Give birth to, see the reality of, see the manifestation of, with patience. You can go to the next slide. So how do we remain patient? What have I been talking about? What are we always doing? Meditating, because it's how we were built. So we're constantly taking in, in information. We're constantly then thinking about that information. So you can go to the next slide, Donna. So how do we remain patient? 
when we are bombarded like never before with information all the time. You know, last night me and David were just talking. I was like, I would love to just have a telephone on the wall with a cord and get rid of my cell phone and have nothing. Like I, we were literally thinking that would just be like heaven. Not have the internet, like no TV, like have no information, like just corded telephone, no voice recorder. Like if we were there, we were there. If we didn't answer the phone, we didn't answer the phone. But we're getting information all the time, right? All the time. And he wrote, this was inspired by the Holy Spirit like thousands of years ago. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Knowledge, that's that word there. That's the same word as know, which is the Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse. So this is an intimate knowledge. Anything that would come against the intimate knowledge that you have of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when obedience is fulfilled. Okay, so taking every thought captive. We've all, who's heard this scripture like a bazillion times? But are we bringing every thought into captivity? It's me, I'm talking to myself. Right, me flopping on the bed. Thinking about all the different things that are going on. Was I bringing every thought into captivity? Nope, but God slapped me in the face. And I needed it. So let's look at this word captivity, bringing every thought into captivity. You can go to the next slide. So when you look at captivity, huh? Are you laughing at me? I just said I could literally picture the way you talk. See? It's a verb which denotes an action, okay? So to lead away captive, metaphorically to capture one's mind. We have to capture our mind. See, sometimes our minds start rolling like a freight train, and we can't stop it, right? Think about it. We all know it. We overanalyze. Next thing you know, we've had conversations, and we've said things to people. We've said all sorts of things. We know what they were going to do, and then when they do that, I'm going to do this. But we've got to capture. We have to capture our mind. We have to capture our thoughts, right? Because when we allow the freight train of thoughts to start going, we're, it's going to mess with our patience, right? We've already created a reality, okay? That when it becomes a reality like that, where are we anchored? Right? Because when we, remember, our thoughts are the first like domino in a chain reaction, okay? So when that, cha- when that train starts going, next thing you know, we've created a whole nother reality. We've aborted. Taking every thought captive and dealing with the thoughts that are not of faith. Take every thought captive. It is critical. I already said that. Look, here, this is huge. Sometimes I have to write down these things because otherwise I won't say them. Whoever controls our thinking will ultimately be the one who controls our life. See, the only way that the enemy 
gets any sort of power is when he steals ours. And he does that by planting seeds, by planting thoughts, and then getting us to then say those things. Right? We function as God. The enemy knows that when we say things, we are speaking as God. We were created to function, so what we say will happen. So he wants to trick us with his lies. And it doesn't seem like, like, you know, oh, well, that's definitely a lie. Again, God shows us, God tells us these things, Adam and Eve. It's very seductive. It doesn't seem like a lie. It seems like a good idea. That makes purpose, perfect sense. But does it line up with the promise, with the truth of God? Right? It might sound great. You can go to the next slide, Donna. So when we take our, when we take captive our thoughts, we're doing what second Corinthians 10 says, 10 and four, right? So I'm kind of now backtracking. If you look at verse four, it says of pulling down strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold um, is a long Greek word and it's of the arguments and reasonings by which a dip, a disputant, in this case, Satan, the enemy, endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his opponent. So we're to pull down these strongholds, right? So a stronghold, what I need to say it was, is he's endeavoring, the enemy's endeavoring to make his opinion sound great to us. But we are to pull down. So when we take captive our thoughts, we are pulling down these opinions, we're pulling down these strongholds that the enemy wants to build around us, right? Build around high walls up against, around our trust, right? Because then we've got these walls. Then we put, we put limits on ourselves. You know, I literally said to my mom today, I feel so trapped. Because I was allowing myself to think about the fact that I'm not seeing things happen. And it's making me feel trapped. But then what? God's so good. He knew that I would be teaching this stuff. I mean, isn't that beautiful? That he knew that I would be teaching this stuff and I'd be like, no, no. That's not the truth. You don't have to be trapped by those thoughts. Pulling down, see, this is practical, but this is real life. Pulling down the strongholds that the enemy wants to place on us. Bringing every thought into captivity. Taking control of your mind. Stopping the freight train. Because God has created us to constantly be taking in information. Constantly. We are creators. Everything has a function. Honeybees make honey. We are creators. We create life. So we need patience, faith and patience, controlling our thoughts.
you, I'm going to finish with, will you go all the way to the last slide? Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants, that both you and your descendants may live. And the first place that we choose life is our thoughts. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues, or in the Hebrew, source of life. We have to choose life in our thoughts. When we choose life in our thoughts and when we take control of what is going on up there all the time, we will have patience. We will have endurance to see the manifestation of the promises that God has sworn by oath to us. Father God, I thank you that you are not a liar. I thank you for your words that you spoke through me today. And I just thank you, Father God, that you have just are taking the words and you're saying what you want to say to each individual here, Father God. And I thank you that you don't leave us. I thank you that you are growing us in patience, Father God. That you are growing us in patience, that you are maturing us in patience, Father God. That we will be a people of patience. In Jesus' name, amen.